When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Here we go, but boys, we're back. We're here. We're in the thick and fast part of the season. Uh, me and Danny can hardly keep up with it. We have a little five minutes before we come on. We're trying to discuss the fixtures. And it's just that many of them. They keep coming literally twice, three times a week. We've got a cup final to look forward to, FA Cup, Champions League, um, which is what we're going to focus on this week um, in the second part of the pod. But obviously... We played two games there. We played um, the FA Cup against Cardiff and we did what we have to do. We got through that game and then we beat Leicester, which was, again, a tricky fixture. But before we go into them, um, how's it going, buddy? How are you? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Uh, yeah, same old type of week. So, yeah, it feels like one week just merges into the next. You know what it's like when you've got kids and family and all the rest of it. Um, started back to football yesterday, which was quite interesting. I haven't played football in quite a while. Um like yeah, those of you that have been listening to this will know like I've maybe kicked the ball three times in the past eighteen months, like so um yeah, it was nice to get back. I went and, like I wouldn't mind you like you think first time back, go and play a little bit of five a side with your mates. I went and played for a proper team. So it was like proper drills and like real big like sort of high intensity session and a match at the end and like to be fair, I feel quite fit. So I felt good during the training bit. And then they've done the match at the end. And at one point, I was sort of coming up from defensive mid. They cleared the ball, defender headed it, came out to me. And I was like, take a touch, smash it. Took the touch, ball rolled off somewhere. Don't know where it went. But, but my touch was shocking. So that's all I needed to know about that. I was like, yeah, still need a bit of work there. So, um, yeah, outside of that, not much, man. What about yourself? I say old um I, I believe when I play football probably a couple of times a week and it's just at that time of year, isn't it, where it's that cold that you, you're you sitting in your car and you're like, oh, it's warm. Like, am I really want to get out this car to watch like 18-year-olds run past me? Like, is it is it that really what I want to do with my evening? Like, <laughs> and you always find motivation from somewhere um, to go and do it. So, yeah, no, there's nothing like a, a, a good old game of football, seven aside or train or whatever. Um, in, in in the middle of February in, in the freezing cold. But let me ask you this, Danny, before we start the pod. Um, was there many frigginelles given out last night or no? No, <laughs> I was very quiet last night. <laughs> I think I, I very much realised that a lot of those boys were a lot better than me, uh, a lot fitter, the two-thirds into a season. So I was very much just wandering around the field, just going, keep myself under the radar, concentrate on my own touch, and, and that's kind of it. So, yeah, I was I was very non-vocal for a change, which was weird for me. But, um, 
but I know that if they were to give abuse back, they'd have been able to give a lot more abuse than I was able to dish out. <laughs> yeah, I think um, there's a good few listeners that we, we, we have for this podcast from Hillsborough that played with us um, a couple of years ago. And uh, God help the guys that were, you know, on our team, the two scouts going nuts. And even God help the other team if we're playing against each other. You know, all you hear is the two scouts shouting the whole match. And uh, <laughs> you, you didn't know no difference. But, it, you know, you can, I'd say it's surreal for the people playing football with us, you know, in, in, in the island of Ireland, down in Hilton, used to play and listen to us go on. So, uh, anyway, I, I, I know it's like on a football pitch and the fact that you're quiet and shocked about. But um, it's good to see that you're back at it, Danny, because, um, at the end of the day, we we don't just do this podcast because we're, we're massive Liverpool fans. We're massive football fans, and that's how the that's how our passions begin. They're playing football oh, yeah. from a young age and the grassroots, and you know we always try and mix that in um, within this podcast. But anyway, um, we've got a job to do, Danny. We have to uh, review um, Cardiff and Leicester. So obviously, we'll start off with Cardiff City. Um, it was a twelve o'clock kickoff on a Sunday, which is unusual in itself. You don't see that often um, these days in the FA Cup. Um, and it was it was a banana skin, wasn't it? Let's be honest, it was a banana skin. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think we didn't quite know what to expect. I think we said in the last pod, didn't we? We didn't know what the Cardiff team were going to be like. We didn't know, like, we know that they're not doing amazingly well at the minute in the championship. So, like, how are they actually going to get on? And, yeah, I think there was a little bit of a worry. You know yourself being a, a family man, same as me. Suddenly, 12 o'clock kickoff on a Sunday, I'm like, am I able to watch this? Because you've got your week fully planned out. Um, but I managed to see. I managed to see most. Of, I think I started watching it from about twelve minutes in or something. Um, so yeah, it was a good, it was a good game to watch. And I think although we were worried about it, I think well, I think the theme that's going to run throughout this whole first half of the podcast is that it was clinical. It was a different team, a little bit changed up. Uh, we've seen some boys coming back back from injuries and stuff. Um, but I didn't think we ever looked like we were going to lose that game, do you? No, not at all. And as I say, I think the biggest thing to come out that match was uh, the return of Harvey Elliott, who got his goal, obviously, great finish. And that would be the one kind of critique I had of him before he got injured, was he was in the team and he was probably our best player. And he was doing amazing and, you know, youth, you know, scare-free. He was just kind of going for it and just you know, didn't care or anything. But then he was in lots of positions where he could shoot and he was passing the ball. To like the likes of Salah and Manny. And I don't know if that was a bit like kind of like he had too much respect for them, but he come in, you know, and he had a couple of shots and he got his goal. But then obviously the um, the emergence of Diaz as well, which excellent work rate, excellent, excellent work rate to set up the goal there um for Minamino. Mm. So yeah, I mean what I have to ask you, Danny, what did you think of the of Elliot firstly? Um and then Diaz. Yeah, do you know what? I like I like Elliot. I, I've we've said a lot of times on this podcast over the seasons, haven't we? Is that there's something about like local lads playing that that have grown up loving the club, who who wanna who who love the history of it. Like you're always gonna get that extra ten percent out of them, and you could see that when he walked onto the pitch. You could see he wasn't there to sort of. You, you see a lot of these boys coming back, and we've seen it over the years when you have Liverpool players coming back from injury. And the first couple of games, it's all just about getting your touch, one-two passing, getting my fitness back, all the rest of it. Like you could tell, he wasn't there for that. He was there to put a shift in because he loves the club, and, and he almost had too much respect for the club to to come back and worry about himself. So he went in flying, and it was really good to see. I think there's a lot of the the young lads. I said it was a very much a changed lineup, 
And there's a lot of passion in those young lads. I don't know what they're doing behind the scenes, but you've got lads coming in that, that are fringe players for the club and they're coming in and giving it everything as if it's a Champions League final because they have so much passion for wanting to do well. Uh, I think Simakas is a, is a classic example of that, the way he was flying into tackles, the way he was playing. Obviously, he got brought off for Robertson towards the end. Um, I'd like to have seen him stay on for the whole game, but I think if he'd have stayed on for the 90 minutes, he'd have been red carded off at some point because he was so passionate and was flying in on challenges and starting fights and all sorts. Um, and you see that with lots of them. Obviously, we've seen Trent come through over the last number of years and stuff like that. Curtis Jones as well. Kelleher, who I think deserves a mention as well for the way he played. Um, played really well during that game as well. Um, but yeah, I think Harvey Elliott was really, really good. Uh, and then to see uh, Diaz come on, uh, and I thought Diaz looked well. Like I thought he was going to be classic. What you get from when you play teams like Porto is that like the slightest little touch, he's gonna he's gonna hit the deck and he's gonna be on the floor. And Liverpool, I think Liverpool fans don't like to see that, and I think it never it never bodes well. I think Robertson um, put it best yesterday when he was doing his interview after the Leicester game, and he said like that Diaz seemed quite keen on putting in tackles and he said that's always going to adhere you to the Liverpool fans because we do we like good players that are prepared to graft work hard I think we've shown that over the years like to Henderson and the the love that, that the club has for Henderson because he's a, he's a grafter and he works hard um as well as others that we can think of as well and what you've seen from Diaz is probably a couple at the start where he was a little bit sort of twinkle toes and then he very quickly got into the game and he was he was shouldering boys. He was working hard, and that assist obviously it's it's it technically wasn't his assist, um because it like scraped Jota's leg very very slightly, which I think isn't fair. But the the assist that he got, like I think, was proof of that that he worked hard. He muscled the ball over on the byline, and then and then it was magic he done with his feet, rolling it from one foot to the other, and then slipping it through. Uh, like it was great. I think he's got a. He's got a lot of promise to really add competition to that that front lineup. Well, yeah, and as I say, it was like Suarez esque, wasn't it? It was like he got the ball and he made something up for Norton, and there's a goal. And yeah. how many times did we see Luis Suarez do that? And uh, you know, he shares the first, he shares the first first name of him, so maybe maybe that's a, a good omen um, for the future. But what I, what I want to say about Diaz is it's competition for Mane, isn't it, Danny? Because Mane is. It's a hard one with Manny. We had this debate about Firmino last season, didn't we? And it's the same thing with Manny this season. He's there. You know, his, his record speaks for itself. He's always liable to get a goal. He's always liable to get assist. Um, even when he has a bad day, he can still win a game of football. But he's just not quite been been the Manny of maybe 12 months ago, has he? So do you think maybe having Diaz there might push, you know, Manny along? I'm asking you because I know you're a massive Manny fan, but and he's obviously, congratulations on him winning the African Nations Cup. We have to put that out there. Brilliant. It was sad for Salah, brilliant for Manny. But coming back to Liverpool, do you think Diaz there pushing Manny along the way might be a good thing in the long run? I think so. I think you've seen, if anyone did watch the final, the African Cup of Nations, Mane was, was, was probably the Mane that we remember from a couple of years ago, almost unplayable at times, the way he was, the, the way he was running at boys and taking people on and stuff like that. Like, he really played well in that in that African Cup of Nations final. Um, and that's the money that we want to see. And I think over the last couple of years, as you said, last couple of seasons, that's kind of dropped off a little bit. Obviously, 
he was he played the way he did for Senegal because of the passion that he has for playing for his country, and I understand that. But when you're playing club football and you're playing week in, week out, I'm not saying that he doesn't love the club because he does, and I think we all know that. But like anything, like any job, like like family situations, like anything in life, you you get into a habit, you get into a routine of doing things. You know yourself from when we play eleven aside. If you know that you're more or less guaranteed your place every week. It's not the end of the world if you don't play well for the game. And the problem is, is that you may be getting a run of three, four, five games where Mane isn't playing the best. Where I think now Mane is the type of player that we spoke about it, didn't we, last season? That when we didn't have Salah, Mane stepped up because he was the main man and he knew he needed to perform. He's at that stage now that Diaz is coming in performing really well. Jota's coming in performing really well. He knows that he needs to prove himself and he needs to he needs to put in a shift every week, otherwise he'll get dropped. And, and I think that's only going to help. It's only going to help the club, obviously, overall. But I think it's only going to help Marnie's game, really. Yeah, and hey, I couldn't agree with you more. It's um, it's competition in places, and it's it's quality coming in for quality, isn't it? Um, it's good to see the likes of Minamino actually stepped up recently. You know, a wee while. You know, he's got a wee bit. He's kind of like he's coming. He's done all right the last maybe month or so. So. It's good to see Minamino getting minutes on the pitch and getting goals, which is, you know, important too. Um, you mentioned Jota there, Danny. So I think it brings us nicely onto the um, Leicester City game. Leicester City, we all know the same stuff they have. We know they're missing Vardy. We know they're missing a couple of defenders, but we know the type of team that on, on the day can beat anyone, really. And they, they, they proved that by beating us in the league in the reverse fixture. It was the only game this season that we've not scored in. So... Um, it was, it was again. It was the banana skin. I keep using that word, but it, a phrase. It was. It was a banana skin. So Leicester City, um, we beat them two nil. Um, that was last night. We're recording this podcast on Friday morning. So, yeah, there you go, Jota, Danny. Let's just take a few minutes and then focus on him. Um, the goals he gets, he is literally like a. He's a fox in a box, isn't he? You know, he's a he's a goal poacher. The, the two goals he scored. And I'll tell you something funny, um, and all listeners listen to this will understand and relate to where I'm coming from here now. So last night, I, I got in from football myself, and I, I missed the first few minutes of the game myself, but stuck it on. And uh, I was watching a match, and my partner, Larissa, had a face on her, and she's like, oh, football again. Ooh. You know what I like, and everyone listened to my life. But I, um, I, I, I we've got the big TV in the living room and I streamed it to the big TV and stuff on my iPad. And, and a long story short, so at the end, they they, they showed Jota's two goals in quick succession. Mm. And they showed them from two different angles. I don't know if people watching the match remember this. It was about the 87th, 88th minutes. And my, my partner hates football, but she's she's bringing me over to the Derby in um, April and to Liverpool. She, she's got my ticket. So... I could see her kind of slowly watching it, kind of getting into it, which I've never ever seen that before. And she turned around to me and she went, Oh, why did they why did why did he just show the same goal twice? And he didn't actually. He showed Jota's first goal and Jota's second goal. But it was just different angles, I knew rightly. But I think that proves, and the point I'm trying to make here is that lots of Jota's goals are quite similar. They're, they're not very spectacular, they're not very um, magic or or, you know, like Salah-esque or Messi-esque or, you know, he doesn't really run past six plays and, and, and puts the, the ball on the top in. But there's a magic. And I, I can t- I can tell you as a forward, there's an appreciation. He's always in the right place at the right time. If there's a rebound, he's there. He's always on his toes. 
I know those those two goals last night were not like each other really. The fact that my partner could get them mixed up just goes to show the the similarities in every goal we do. Do you know what I'm saying? Anyone who watches football and can appreciate Diego Jota is, is on my level right now. I please hope he's all because he's just he's always there. He's, he's like Garcia. He's just always there, isn't he? Yeah, and you know what? Like we've like, we've spoken about this numerous times. It's spoken about on like punditry shows and Sky Sports and all the rest of it constantly. Is that people are always crying out for a, a 20, 30 goal a season striker? And when you think back to what a 20, 30 goal a season striker actually is, you, you think back to a to a Michael Owen, to a, a Ruud van Nistelrooy, to a to a Karen Benzema, like players like that that we've, we've got now. And a classic number nine, as I said, I think we spoke about it, didn't we? Was it Gary Lineker, you think of Gary Lineker, Michael Owen, Ruud van Nistelrooy. Like, I think, was it Ruud van Nistelrooy especially? He only ever scored one goal from outside the box. Like, yeah, yeah. That's what you're looking for in a striker. And Diogo Jota's got that, the ability to be in the right place at the right time to get goals. And like a handful of goals, probably over half his goals this season, are probably going to be tap-ins from inside the six-yard box. But... As you said, it, there's a certain level of quality in knowing to be in those positions. That first goal, especially, the fact that you see him slow down his run, the fact that he knew to stop so quickly and adjust his body, that's not just a reaction. That's something that's practised. That's something that is an actual talent to be able to do. Um, and I think you need that. Like, Yes, we've we've had the, the joy of watching Salah and Mane over the, the last few years, Luis Suarez before that, Torres and, and boys like that, who were able to... like score absolute spectacular goals but what we have probably been missing more than anything is a 20 goal a season striker that is prepared to just sit on that last man get into the box and tidy things up how many times have we watched balls be fizzed across the box by trent and robbo and it goes straight across the box and go out you're not going to see that as much while Jota's sitting in that position because he knows how to clean up a ball and i think that's what we're going to get and that's what we've missed i think that's what most teams would would seriously turn around and say they're missing in the Premier League. They're hard to find, and I think we have got it with Jota. I think it makes Firmino's like job a lot harder because Jota basically played those on the right starting yesterday, but was basically still doing that role in number nine. He was basically covering both positions at some points because Firmino does sit that bit deeper. Um, so I I can imagine that we're going to see. Now that the team's back, now that we've got no injuries, we're going to see a lot more of probably Salah, Mane and Jota probably all sitting in those roles and we're going to get probably a nice mix of both, which is, which is perfect. Yeah, and that's a very good point you make about them still doing that role. though, a bit out wider. Again, and if you brought up before about Mane stepping up last season when Salah was out, I think with Salah and Mane being away last month, I think Jota stepped up. He's been the main man, hasn't he? Jota has literally stepped up in the last month or so. Um and I think, I'm not trying to say that Firmino isn't appreciated, but if you've got Jota scoring, you've got Mane um, and Salah scoring, then you've got you've got the goal. So I think it takes a little bit of heat off Firmino. And he's still got an integral part of it. Because even last night in the game, he was threading little balls, doing this, doing that. You know, He was still getting back. He was still grafting. And Firmino's game isn't all about goals. as well. I think Jota's game is all about goals. So I think that takes a little bit of pressure for Mino, which is quite interesting because at first we thought they were kind of competing against each other. It's teams that they've all kind of welded into a nice kind of formula. And now you've got Diaz in that as well, um, which is 
which is just fantastic. As a Liverpool fan, we always crave and we always wanted strength and depth, and that's what we actually have right now in the forward department. You know, we haven't even mentioned like I mentioned Minamino before. Origi's still injured. You know, Origi's like what, eighth choice now, but he's still. You know, you bring him on as eighth choice. He's probably the best eighth choice striker or best eighth choice striker in the league. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's what I can see you laughing. That's what we're at. But um, obviously, another talking point about last night. Um, we have to mention it: the return of Mohamed Salah. Um, I have a bit of a rule, kind of, to myself. I don't know many people kind of noticed this or not, but I hate posting on social media during the game. I can't stand people that are giving off and calling the players all kinds during the game. I always try and wait till after the game. I hate posting anything during the game, but I, I broke the exception just to welcome Mo back last night because that reception he got, you know, I, 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 I switched the TV up and again, the rest is sitting there going, I have to have that TV so loud and I'm like, just listen to that. I was like, just listen to that. Just listen. I'm like, Leo, look, Mo Salah, Mo Salah. And he come back, he had a half an hour cameo um, and he did everything but score, didn't he? Yeah, and you know what? Like, I think we've we've known like if anyone who's a Liverpool fan and who has been to Anfield and who knows the culture, Liverpool knows that the Liverpool is a is a family club, and the fact that we've seen Salah lose in the final, we've seen the way it all went. Um, he didn't even get a chance to take his penalty because the player before missed, and then Mane absolutely buried that finisher to to win the to win the cup. And you could see how gutted he was. It's something that he's wanted to win with with Egypt for a while. Um, but the Liverpool fans know that. So we knew we needed to give him a rousing reception. He's come back. He's he said openly he wanted to play. He wanted to get straight back in. He wanted to do something for the club. And you could tell that when he walked onto the pitch. He was on fire. So I wasn't surprised at all at the reception that he got. If I was there, I would have been doing the exact same thing. Um, and then he was absolutely flying, which was amazing. My question would be now, Mane's just won the African Cup of Nations. Salah has come back with a, a fire in his belly to want to do really well. Firmino, integral to the team. Jota, arguably our best goal scorer at the moment, um, obviously within the last month, um, giving Salah a bit of a run for his money. Diaz coming in, looking really well. Harvey Elliott, all the rest of it. Who Who would you be starting? Like who would be your like front three? Because I understand, like I think last night Firmino was integral, the stuff that he was doing, the balls he was threading through. But if you're getting maybe two two assists out of him a game, but you get but in comparison you're getting two goals out of Jota a game, which one's better? Like who are you, who are you going for? So you you're looking maybe at the game this weekend against Burnley, uh, arguably a hard team that we're going to go into in a minute. Who would be your starting front three out of those boys? You're just asking the impossible question, aren't you? And you know what you're doing. You know you know exactly what you're doing. And it is, it's the impossible question because, you know, six months ago you're saying Salah, Manny, Firmino. Mm. You know, and you know I would say that. You know, I've nothing against Jotter. In fact, we've just spent 10 minutes bigging Jotter up and he's been brilliant. Um, probably our player of the season so far along with Salah. But um, for me, yeah, you know I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm going to go um, Manny, Salah, Jota, and I'm going to put Firmino behind them. I'm going to put Firmino in that kind of attacking midfielder role because I, I I can't I can't find it within myself to drop Firmino. So you know, and you got I put Fabinho and Henderson in there. But what I would say, Thiago was brilliant last night. He, he annoys me. He's, he's one of these players that is just he can he's going to be quickly forgotten 
if he doesn't kind of keep keep a run of games because he keeps getting injured and I don't know if it's a physicality of the Premier League or whatever, but um, yeah, he's, he's been brilliant. But back 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 to what you've said, yeah, I would start the front three, including Jota and put Firmino behind him, and then I'd have Diaz um, as an option off the bench, um, just while while um, he gets blooded into the club as such. But I don't know if he's the type of player that needs blooded in because he's you know he's proven quality. But anyway, hey, I'm gonna throw it back at you. What would you do? Do you know what? We spoke about that last season, didn't we? That option of putting Firmino in that number 10 role. And I don't think that's a bad option. I think Thiago, for as good as he played yesterday, isn't hasn't been as consistent as we were hoping he was going to be. You, you can't drop Firmino. For me, Firmino is the absolute linchpin of that team. Um, so he sits in there, whether that be with Thiago, whether that be with Henderson, whether that be with Curtis Jones, because he's playing really well at the minute. Um but I think Curtis Jones is more of an attacking player. And if you're going to choose between him and Firmino, Firmino, for me, gets the gets the shout. And I don't think it's a bad call to have Firmino sitting that bit deeper, playing those balls through. He's a great technician of being able to do stuff like that. And that way you take that goal pressure off him and have the front three and, going. And he puts a draft in. Danny, he puts a draft in. He doesn't stop. Yeah, no, he's a hard worker. And so... Like I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that was always the the credit that we gave to Firmino, wasn't it? Even when he wasn't scoring goals, as we said, he's he's always the one that that starts the team moving. He, he comes back from that number nine position, makes the tackle on the halfway line, and and then starts breaking us forward again. If if he can do that and not have to worry as much about ah, oh, like I need to try and get goals here as well, and, and leave that to Jota and Salah and. At the minute, I would be saying Mane, just because I think Diaz, yes, he looks really, really good. But I think to automatically just bring him in, sort of flavour of the month, and be like, oh, yeah, bring him in because he's really good, and just drop Mane, I think that causes problems. I think there's got to be a level at which you let Mane play, and he almost plays himself out of that position before you start bringing Diaz in, because he needs to come fire. And now Mane, otherwise he will get dropped. Well, can I make a point as well, caveat to what we've said? Like we've both kind of agreed there, which is unusual for this podcast, but we did. <laughs> um, but say, let's say for argument's sake, we're sitting here on 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 uh, Sunday against Burnley. I think it is Sunday, and he's got um, and he starts Diaz, Jota, Salah, say, and he puts Mane and Firmino on the bench. Mm. It's not like you're going to sit there and be like, "What are you doing?" No, you can't be doing this. You'll sit there and go, "Well, we've got Jota, Salah, and Diaz in the team. Like that, that's still quality." You're not going to sit there and start going, "What's are you?" So it's one of them where it's going to be great for Liverpool fan because you know no matter what, there's going to be strength on that bench. There's going to be players on that bench that are going to be able to change games of football. So that's just a great thing, especially with the, as I said, the start off with the podcast saying the games are going to be different past, but they really, really are. Now, you know, you've got Burnley away, which is as probably as tough as they come in the Premier League. And then you've got Inter Milan away, which is, that's just, yeah, it's a Champions League, isn't it? You in times gone by, those fixtures for Liverpool, and I'm going to go go into it in the second part of the podcast. But those fixtures for Liverpool recently looked easy, but um, they're really, really not. So, as I say, having strength and depth is very important at this time of the season, and it looks like we've got strength and depth at the right time of the season. Mm. Yeah, we definitely have. You're right, and as you said, we've we've said this so many times this season is as you said, if they decided, like to be honest, even if you went further and we came into this game against Burnley and he decided to play like jotted up top with Harvey Elliott and Minamino. Like obviously it'd be a shocking decision, but you still know 
there would be a lot of graft there because there's a philosophy in the club that no matter who's playing, you're going to get such a strong performance out of them. Now, obviously, he's never going to go with that lineup. I think if he did, we would kind of be turning around going, what on earth is going on here? Um, but yeah, I, I think no matter what the lineup, and it proved that we're looking at two different games here. We're looking at Leicester and we're looking at Cardiff. Games that had arguably a lot of different people within them. And what we've seen was two very, very similar performances. Hard graft, a lot of pressing, solid defensively, apart from like the last 10 minutes of Cardiff, but we won't talk about that. Um, and generally what you're seeing is good clinical performances because there's a philosophy in the club now, rather than it just being we need our best 11 to perform and hopefully someone can do well off the bench. We're not getting that anymore, which is perfect. I'm going to start calling you Danny Philosophy uh, Roberts because uh, <laughs> you, you're throwing that word philosophy out more than anything these days, aren't you, buddy? <laughs> it's my word of the week on the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, anyway, that's the first part of the podcast, guys. Um, we've reviewed uh, Leicester and Cardiff. In the second part of the podcast, we're going to discuss Burnley away um, and the return of the Champions League. So thank you so much for listening. I'm and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Right, everyone, welcome back to the second part of Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Now, we have got a couple of games coming up this week. As Ammo said, just before the break there, we have got uh, a tidy little league game against Burnley, who are currently sitting bottom of the league at the minute. Um, though, as we said, the, the bottom of the league is a little bit mental at the minute. Burnley have got two games in hand, although they're sitting at the bottom. Uh, I'd love to say if they won those two games in hand, they'll come out of the relegation zone, but they haven't won a game since October. So... If the, is that going to happen? I don't know. Um, and then on Wednesday, we have got our Champions League match coming back against Inter Milan, who are the team that are flying at the minute. But we're going to talk about Burnley first, Ammo. How do you think this game's going to go? As we said before, they've generally been drawing a lot of matches. They drew against United, drew against Arsenal. Um, they lost the FA Cup recently. They, they lost to Leeds just before the FA Cup and the international break and all that haven't been playing amazingly well this season. They've only won one game all season, which was that game in October. But we know that Burnley, I think it's a proven point. You look at Arsenal, you look at United and teams like that, and they've been drawing a lot of matches. Um, is this a game that we should be worried about dropping points? I'm not, I'm not saying losing the game, but is it a game that we should be worried that it might end up like a nil-nil or a one all? When I hear the word Burnley, I'm always worried because we just know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to throw everyone behind the ball. They're going to play slow. They're going to frustrate it. They're going to have the grass grow as long as they can. The turf more there. And they're going to do everything in the books to frustrate Liverpool. If they get a point, they'll be dancing around the goalposts at the end of the match. Um, but again, it's one of those games, Danny, where the first goal matters so, so much. If you, if you haven't scored after half an hour, People start to get frustrated. Next thing you know, it's nil-nil at half time. Next thing you know, it's nil-nil 60 minutes. They'll get a set piece to go in the air. They've got the new Dutch boy that's coming at teams all right on his toes. Um, they're gonna just do everything in the book. So it's one of them where if Liverpool get a goal early, it could be three or four. But if they don't, it's gonna be one of those games where you're literally gonna be biting your nails watching it. We we know what Sean Dice teams do. We know what Burnley Football Club do. We know. Everyone, everyone to Jürgen Klopp and his backroom staff 
know exactly what Burnley going to do, but it's just getting through it. It's just stopping it. It's finding the right ball. It's, it's making sure that we take our chance. It's making sure that we don't wrap into their way of thinking. And, and you know, it's the old saying, isn't it? Sometimes when you're playing a game of football, you, you can kind of understand it's awful. You can be dropped down to that standard. And that's kind of what happens in these games against Burnley. Yeah, most of have got passionate fans and a solid team for what they do. Fair play to them. They're, they're like the Stoke City of, of the Premier League these days. Um, it's just, a, it's going to be a typical frustrating game, you know, 10 men behind the ball and us just trying to get through. Um, but I think that we've got plenty of tools, as we, we've mentioned, to get through. If we want to be challenging City, they've got um, knowledge on the Saturday, which should be a comfortable victory for them. We have to be winning these games. And again, it doesn't matter about the performance, it doesn't matter about the goal scores. Um, it just matters about getting the win. Um, and I do see us getting the win. Um, but yeah, it's just Sean Dyson seems so, so frustrating, aren't they, Danny? Uh, they are. And do you know what? The thing is, and I think it's probably proof of what the Premier League is like this season. Burnley have got a really good team on paper when you look at them. Like Ben Mee and Tarkovsky, really good centre backs for what they are. Good, solid. Um, centre-backs, good headers of the ball, can play a ball out really nice. Nick Pope, really, for me, I really rate Nick Pope as a goalkeeper. I think he's really, really good. Um, you've got the likes of Westwood, you've got playing in midfield, they've got Jay Rodriguez, they've got Aaron Lennon, they've got Ashley Barnes. They've got a lot of really good players in the team. But I think what we're seeing this season within the Premier League is that it doesn't matter how good your team is, you need to get goals. And that's just one thing that they're just not doing. Burnley could have always have scraped a 1-0 in previous seasons um, and different things like that. But they're just not doing that this season. They're, they're, they're struggling to put the ball into the back of the net. I think they're hoping that Aaron Lennon um, might be able to get in a little bit of form and be able to help them with that. Jay Rodriguez was always a, race, a rated striker, um, but I think injuries just sort of blighted his career a little bit. Um, but yeah, we're just not seeing much goals out of them because, as you said, I think they do play... a. A 10 men behind the ball basically and hope to make that counter attack but I think teams have got one have got savvy to that now and two have got better defensively to be able to cope against those types of attacks um, and I think Liverpool are very much capable now of, of coping with that Liverpool play a style of play now where it's not a case of just keep running at them and hope for the best Liverpool and City play this style of football now where what you're seeing is you're seeing we allow them to come at us and we basically just start knocking the ball around our back four, which I understand from a fan's perspective, it's a boring thing to watch. And we just pass a ball along that back line, pass it into Fabino or pass it into Thiago, then passes it back to Van Dijk who passes it around. But what that's doing is drawing the other team out and drawing them out and then we counter-attack. And, and that's the way we play football. It's the way City play football, is just wearing teams down. And Burnley can't cope with that style of play. Um, they have to almost start to play that style themselves. But the worry is, is that they don't have the players to be able to play that type of football where you're under pressure at the back, passing the ball around to each other. I don't think they've got the players that are capable of being able to, to do that and maintain it while being chased by... Salah and Jota and Mane and Diaz and players like that is too much for them. So I think they're kind of stuck in no man's land at the minute. They're not able to play their own style of football properly and they're being drawn out too easily by big teams. Um, so I think we will see a Liverpool win if Liverpool can 
keep themselves calm, play the long game. Um, and I think we do that really well away from home. Because when you're at home in Anfield with the cops screaming at you, you do want to put on a show. So you do want to be more getting up and, and trying to do little intricate passing and, and try and make that amazing ball, which is always a struggle against teams like Burnley. But I think away from home, when you don't have the pressure of the fans, you can play the long game over 90 minutes and draw them out. And that's what I, I hope we'll see Liverpool do at the weekend. And you could argue, um, you could argue that Burnley's philosophy isn't quite as good as Liverpool's philosophy. <laughs> you can uh, Liverpool's philosophy is going to ultimately be the philosophy that comes out on top of the two philosophies. That's, 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 that's what you could say, Danny. Um, but yeah, I actually think, <laughs> yeah, sorry, um, no pun intended. But um, what you could say there is, um, sorry, what I want to say was, I think Salah, he's come back from you know, disappointment. So you got a week hand meal there during the week. He's still top goals, going to Premier League by a good few goals. I think it's a game where, you know, we'll, Put Salah back in, and I fancy him to get a couple of goals. Um, certainly get our goal. Um, I'm, I'm going to go for. I think I'm going to go for three 0 victory. I think it's going to be comfortable in the end. It's just getting that first goal. Once you get the first, hopefully get a second. Um, if we're winning a half time, I don't see Burnley coming anywhere near us. It's just how long it takes us to score. But yeah, for me, three 0 victory. Yeah, and. Yeah, I'm going similar. I'm going to go two nil. I think Klopp does like to get that barrier. I think I think maybe last season we would have tried to re- re- rode out. I wonder if I can get my word out. Um, we would have tried to ride out a one nil. Um, but I think Klopp understands, especially with the ta- attack and prowess we've got. Like we should be trying to get a bit of a gap there where we don't have to worry. So I think I'm going to go two nil. I think it'll be two nil to Liverpool. We'll we'll get the two goals early on. Maybe one in the first half, one at the start of the second half, and we'll we'll cruise it out then for the rest of the game. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Generally, your predictions are always far more close than mine are. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But hopefully what we'll see is a good game and we won't see just boring 10 men behind the ball and the pool just attacking one of those frustrating games that you see where it just where you almost play it in a way that you make it that it's not your day anymore. Hopefully we don't see Liverpool do that, but who knows? <laughs> but I think there'll be a lot of resting, and I, and this is why I think it'll be two 0 because of the fact that we have got Inter Milan coming up, and I think that's why we'll see it maybe go two 0 and then ride it out. Maybe even see a few players come on like uh, Simicas and, and boys like that because. We've got to get ready for this Inter Milan game. Round of 16, Inter Milan flying at the minute, doing really, really well. Uh, all the predictions have got it really close at the minute. They've got Liverpool just picking it to potentially win the, the tie. But it's tight because Inter Milan doing really, really well. Top of the Serie A at the minute. Um, what what do you make of this game? It's going to be away from home, Ammo, in a tough stadium. Inter Milan's ground isn't an easy ground to go to. Um how do you think it's going to be out there in the San Siro? Well, of course, this season's a lot different, isn't it, for away fixtures in the Champions League because the away goals doesn't count no more. Mm. So it's one of these games where you could almost just play for a draw and bring them back to Anfield, couldn't you? Um, but that's not Liverpool's philosophy, is it? And um, Liverpool's um, prowess up front, as you say. What, what was the word they used, Danny? Was it prowess? Prowess, prowess up front. Um, it's over my calendar, you see, it's a different word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a game that, you know, 
Inter Milan, again, if, if they picked us and won the tie, you wouldn't be shocked. But, you know, this is what being... This is what being a football supporter is about. As a, as a Liverpool fan, Champions League games away in Europe, in Italy, um, at the San Siro against Inter Milan, with the likes of you know old players that we we've seen in in the you know the Premier League over the years, the likes of Alexis Sanchez up front and Edin Dzeko, amongst others, Vidal. We we we've come against him in his Barcelona days. Um, it's going to be a tough, tough game. It really, really is. Um, but again. Over the last three or four years, Liverpool have had a, a tendency to blow these teams away. They really, really are. I, this type of game for me is a type of game where you, you're probably starting Henderson, Milner, and Fabinho in midfield. It's a game where I think those type of boys are going to come in. They know what they're doing. They've been doing it a lot, especially Hendo and Milner. They've been doing it a long, long, long time. They're going to frustrate into Milan. They're going to play all the, the, the tricks in the book. Then obviously, as you say, they're going to maybe potentially invite pressure from Inter Milan and get them on the counter. A bit like what we did against Atletico Madrid in the group stages um, in that mad game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I can see happening. Um, but again, you wouldn't be shocked if they've if they, if they done us one or two because again, they're at the top of Serie A. They've got quality throughout the squad. They've been there, wore the t-shirt and, uh, and done it. Um, but we're the football club and we're in the Champions League. Um, and Liverpool Football Club with the Champions League and the European Cup is I don't need to explain how special this competition is to our, our football club our fans and I don't think anyone needs to explain to the players um, this is what it's about we're a top club the, the group of players that we have now have been at the top of the game for two or three years now and they've won the European Cup and I think they've got another two or three years in them so the, if you think I like see Henderson Salah's managed you know Van Dyke's they might only have two or three real, real chances now in their career to win the Champions League. So, again, so of course, they're going to go for it and they're going to push for it. So, I'm going to say 1 0 to Liverpool. I think it'll be a tight enough game, um, but I do think we'll, I do think we'll get a goal. Um, and it's a little cushion to bring back to Anfield, but I wouldn't be shocked if we went out 1 or 3 or 4. But again, I wouldn't be shocked if they lost it because I say they've got their quarter. Like with Burnley, you know, if Burnley beat Liverpool, it's going to be a set piece, an own goal. Something stupid like that, as where Inter Milan, you know, those players are capable of getting a couple of a bit of magic from somewhere. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go for one nil to Liverpool. Um, but again, it, it's trying to predict these lineups is so so hard. Um, whatever the lineup is against um Burnley, I think a lot of players he might rest a few players and bring them in against Inter Milan. So it'll be it's hard to predict anything until you see how the Burnley game goes. But for me, Danny. Away in the San Siro, Klopp is going to want to, you know, prove that Liverpool are a dominant team in Europe. He's going to want to get the victory. He's not going to play for a draw like maybe Rafa used to do. And I can see um, see us coming away with, with, a, with a small, slim victory. Now, I've got an unpopular opinion for you, Lemo, and I want your opinion on it. Oh, I God, think I think that the African Cup of Nations couldn't have finished any more perfect. Now, there was a lot of talk about the fact that when Salah and Mane and Keita were going off to the African Cup of Nations, they were going to come back, they were potentially going to be fatigued, they were going to be tired, we were going to struggle for, for far more than just a month without having them. Um, we were potentially going to have to give them another month off after that and all these different things. What we've seen in the way that it finished, it was sad for Salah and all the rest of it, but if it had finished the other way around and Salah won 
the African Cup of Nations and Mane didn't. I think it would have ruined Mane's confidence and he would have been awful for us for the rest of the season. And I think Salah would have came back, he would have been tired, uh, he would have been worn out by what he'd done and it would have maybe have affected him a little bit more. Where What we've seen in the way that it has finished is that Salah has come back fired up because he wants to win something and he wants to win a big competition. And what we're going to see is a new confidence in Mane. And is that going to help us in a game like the Champions League? Yeah, we're going to have both of them back probably for this Inter Milan game. Are we going to see a Liverpool that are playing at the best gear that they can because of how that African Cup of Nations turned out? So is it actually a good thing that Salah lost? I see what you did there, yeah. Um, interesting analogy, Danny. Um, yeah, I, I don't know is, is, is the answer, to be honest. Um, but looking a bit deeper into your point, um, yeah, it, it could have that effect. And only time will tell, only, only time will tell whether, you know, it's give this, you know, what's happened with Salah has given that little extra 5 or 10% to make him more determined and push for a trophy this season for Liverpool. And when it comes to money, yeah, he's very much a confidence player. And there is a period of time, and I think we're still kind of in this period of time, where Manny at one stage, you know, when he was joint top goal scorer two seasons ago, with, with Salah, kind of didn't like the fact that Salah was the main man. I, I think Manny's kind of maybe accepted that Salah's the main man now, but he's still a very, very, very important player. And maybe when we had that kind of little bit of competitiveness between Manny and Salah, they were both at the best. And maybe Manny doing that in the African Cup of Nations. Um, of course, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors and at training grounds and in the, the dressing room. But at the end of the day, to, to be that good and as good as Manny and Salah are, you've got to have that little bit of arrogance, that little bit of self-belief. And at, at the top level, it's fine margins, isn't it, Danny? We say this all the time. It's it, it's it, it's a deflection here or there or a penalty one year or there or... Just having that, just getting there an inch before someone else to the ball um, to score a goal. And maybe having an angry Manny, having a fired up Manny, having a Manny that feels on top of the world is better than kind of a Manny that's kind of passion, passive and thinking, oh, well, Salah's the main man anyway. I can just chip in here and there and take the way. So interesting what you say, Danny. I don't know. Um, but in the next couple of weeks, if that starts to materialise, then you know we can go back to this point now and we can go, what a prediction that was, Danny, because maybe that could be the way. But we'll see. I mean, obviously, again, with Diaz as well, that's that's another thing. You know, Are we going to see a situation now where Diaz barely gets to kick the game, a kick, kick the ball before the end of the season because Mane and Salah are on fire? It would be a shame for Diaz, but at the same time, it mean that we're scoring goals and winning games of football, which is what it's all about. So, I don't know. Let, 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 you've made you've made the analogy. You've made the prediction, Danny. So do you see how that? Do you think that's what's going to happen, or is he just wondering? I, I think I think we're going to see it. I, I think we'll see that happen. I think we're going to see Marnie come back with a renewed confidence and in wanting to show that he didn't just win it because the other teams were rubbish or it was a fluke or whatever. Uh, I think he'll be he'll have that confidence level of knowing that he's done something amazing for his country. His country really backs him, and he's been able to see that through the African Cup of Nations, and that's going to give him just bags full of confidence. Uh, Salah, I think the Leicester game proved that that he has come back and he wants to win something now. He is just determined. There was a fire in his eyes. He was already playing amazing this season, but I think he's come back and there was something in him that I think he wouldn't have had had he won the African Cup of Nations. Um, 
there's a there's a real determination there to want to win other stuff. Where you know yourself, if you win a big competition, sometimes you do, and we we see it so many times, like in the Premier League and stuff like that. The teams I remember when City more or less had walked the league a few seasons back, um, they started just playing awful in, in all of their other games, and it's arguably what knocked them out of the Champions League and different things like that because they already knew they'd won a big competition, so it wasn't the end of the world not winning something else. So. I mean- I don't, I don't know what it's like because I've never won a big competition, but thanks for the, uh, thanks for reminding me that fact. It's all right. It just takes me back to my under sevens, five aside days. Um, <laughs> so, so I know a bit about these big competitions myself. Um, <laughs> but I think not winning that competition is going to give Salah that real momentum to go. No, I want to. I don't just want to win like an FA Cup. I want to win a Champions League. I want to win a Premier League. And I think we're going to see a real sort of steel determination out of them. And I think one of the big things that's going to help us going back to this Inter Milan game is we look back to previous seasons, like say when we won or even when we lost against Madrid, you could arguably look at that team and go, well, it was it was a young excited team there was a lot of inexperience there there was a lot of young lads we're looking at a liverpool team now and even with diaz coming like having come in and, and canate come in and stuff like that we have got an experienced team at top level elite football like you look at our lineup that we've got at the minute all of those boys have got numerous appearances at the top level of football whether that be international whether that be champions league so and I think that kind of helps us a lot more because unlike Inter Milan, Inter Milan have got an amazing team, don't get me wrong. Alexis Sanchez, Dzeko, Perisic, uh, Stefan de Vrij, um, Vidal and boys like that. Arguably, have not, have most of them not gone past their better days. Uh, Alexis Sanchez and Dzeko and Perisic and Vidal. Um, obviously, Stefan de Vrij is still quite young, but the rest of them, are they not looking at the sort of twilight end of their career? where our boys generally are still mid-20s, arguably in the peak of their career at the minute, with multiple elite-level playing in them. So I think I think it puts us massively ahead from, from most teams in Europe, to be honest, but especially in this game against Milan. Well, and obviously the, the history of the competition and the, the, the something between the, the European Cup and Liverpool Football Club, as I've previously mentioned. Yeah. Um, and we'd love to win the FA Cup, we'd love to win the League Cup, um, and we'd love to win the Premier League, which we still can't believe it or not, which is mad, isn't it? We're still fighting all four months. But if someone said to us this season now, right, okay, so you're not going to win the league. You, you you can only win one trophy, League Cup, FA Cup or Champions League. Um, it's it's not even a discussion, is it? And um, it's the best competition. It's the biggest competition in world football. And... Um, as you say, you mentioned the word elite. It's it's the elite that find themselves competing for. That's what happens every season. And yeah, well, what we're literally doing in the next week is competing against statistically this season the best team in Italy. Mm. So um, bring it on, bring it on. And uh, this is what being a football fan's all about, isn't it? Switching on to BT Sport and thinking, oh god, I have to listen to Steve McLaren for two hours now. But still like, still enjoying it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I say that now, and I'll, we'll end up getting Steve Madden on the podcast one day and be like, "Oh yes, Steve, how's it going? Big fan, big fan." <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'd like I know, because you're 
your intros and stuff like that be great fan of your work love what you do like always admired your your ability to be able to do punditry and all i'm just going to replay some of these podcasts we've slagged steve manaman off over the months Say <laughs> enough. hey at least you don't have to listen to michael owen beforehand anyway you, you know you, that's the worst thing but let's not go there I know, like Michael Owen, like we could do a podcast on Michael Owen on his own, so I'm not going to go there. Um, but as you said, I think we're going to see an interesting game. Both teams, like technically Inter Milan are still battling against AC Milan and Napoli. There's a point between the three of them for the top of Serie A. Again, with us, we're chasing Man City down. So we're looking at two teams in very, very similar positions this season. There's no advantages in like, this is the only thing that Milan's going for, or this is the only thing that Liverpool's going for. What we're seeing here is two teams that are arguably on the same platform um, battling it out against each other. So it's only going to be interesting. And as you said, Liverpool have got such a depth of squad at the minute that that we, I think we're going to see whoever we see playing on Wednesday, we're going to see different boys playing on the Saturday against Norwich. And... As you said, we've got the FA Cup, we've got the AFL Cup, we've got the Champions League, we've got the Premier League, and we're going to need a good depth of squad to be able to compete on all four fronts. So I think what we're going to see this season, irregardless of the Salad and Mane issue that we were talking about, what we're going to see is a squad that is probably going to be well utilised between now and, and the end of May. So to sum up, the last hour we've spoken to, we could just say, man, go well the next month, exciting times ahead, because we're literally in everything and we're fighting for everything. And um, it's not been like that every season, has it? So yeah, literally exciting times ahead. And you know, the the end of the the, the rest of February and the first couple of weeks of March are going to be integral to how our season's going to plan out. And um, we'll come into form. The player here's the thing, Danny. Right, and I'll, I'll make it quick because I know we'll come to the end of the podcast. We're coming into form. All the players are coming back in. The fixtures are, you know, that you're looking at them thinking, oh well, if we've got a big massive game. So we've got into Milan, but we've got the bottom of the Premier League before that. You know, you, you've drawn Norwich in the FA Cup that just aren't really going to be interested in the FA Cup, really. You know, obviously you've got Chelsea in the Cup final, but the Chelsea aren't the force anyway. And you're looking at all these little things, you go, right, things are going all right. This this could be good. You know, we've got City coming up in a few weeks, you know. I think City play Manchester United next week in, in, in the Manchester Derby. And these things just go, well, if that goes like that and that goes like this, we could be in a really, really good position. But you just don't want to jinx it as well because you know football doesn't work like that. Football just doesn't work like that. And it's not going to be as simple as I'm planning out in my head. Um, I wish it was, but it just doesn't. I can see it happen because I know you're. I know you're. You understand what I'm saying, and people listening to me hopefully understand what I'm saying. And you, you're constantly working out, thinking, "Oh well, there's next four games, so we should beat them comfortably. We'll do this. We'll do that." But as I say, um, you've got to turn up on the day, and you've got to do it. And we've got to run the philosophy um, that Klopp has put into the players and run it to the best of their ability. And hopefully, you know, stay injury-free and um, give, hopefully, our, our, our football team that we love, hopefully gives us, the fans, something to shout about come, uh, come May. Yeah, because you look at, like you just saying there about all of these different fronts that we're fighting on and, and how it could look in our heads. We look at this time next month, so the sort of 11th or the 12th of March, we, we could be EFL champions, we could be in the quarterfinal of the Champions League by then, um, and we could be fighting really well. You look at the next month's worth of fixtures for Man City, they've got to play Spurs, they've got to play Everton, who are, who are really battling to stay out of that relegation zone at the minute. They've got to play United. 
Uh, they've got a, a good few really tough games coming up over the next month. So there's a good chance, if things were to work the way we're hoping they work, that we'll be EFL champions, we'll be quarterfinals in the Champions League, and there is a possibility that we could catch City um, before we even get to play them. And that becomes a very, very big game. But that's for another pod, and we'll be able to chat about that next week. But I hope everyone enjoys the games as much as we're going to enjoy them, and hopefully we'll be coming back here next week looking at how we dominated in the Champions League, how we're catching up with City in the Premier League, and how everything is going smoothly. But as Amo said, I'm not sure how football works like that. But we can always dream. But until then, thank you so much for listening to Amo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.